0: This is The Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday, 10 to 2, on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. So how does it happen? How does someone, anyone, get sucked into a cult? I mean, obviously, you don't think that's what it is in the beginning, right? At first, it sounds like, oh, maybe you're just taking some self-help classes. But at some point, that changes. Would you be able to see if that was you? Well, that is one of the intriguing questions that comes up in this new book that is getting a lot of attention. It's called Scarred, The True Story of How I Escaped Nexium." This is the cult that bound my life. That's what the book says. Uh, Sarah Edmondson wrote the book. She was a former member for 12 years, and she joins us now in studio to talk about that. Sarah, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me. How has this been for you, talking about this? Well, at first, it was kind of exciting to have this... Platform to feel like I had a voice to speak for all these people that were in Nexium and and to shine a light on the abuses of power that happen in not just cults but in organizations and families and I felt like I had this template and I want to share it and that was really motivating for me because um, I've always wanted to help people. Obviously, I, I bet on the wrong horse when I chose Nexium, but now I'm going back to you know. Helping people again, and that was great. But then after some time and re, you know regurgitating the story over and over and over again, and having a little one and not sleeping, it's been it's been stressful, to be honest, like I needed to dial back and go back to simple things, parenting, sleeping, right? <laughs>
0: yeah uh, The book is quite like gets into a lot of details mm-hmm. about this. Nexium is a cult that
1: you've heard a lot about in the news. How, how long have you been out of it now? Actually, yesterday was the two-year anniversary of when the New York Times was released, and that was the first time a big major press outlet uh, wrote about Nexium. so two years ago uh, yesterday. But I've been out since June of 2017, uh, officially, although in May is when I was starting to unwind and deprogram and figure out, oh my gosh, I'm I'm in a cult, and (laughs) how did this happen? What made you realize that, though? Because it had been 12 years been twelve right? years so. and also 12 years of of people saying, "Oh, Sarah and her cult, you know, and in a jokey way, in a kind of there was a lot of people who who teased me a little bit that I was maybe in a cult, but nobody really nobody ever sat me down to do an intervention. nobody ever sat me down seriously until the end it was one of the things I talk about in the book when my when my friend like walked me through all the media and said, how can this?" be true and of course I responded with, Well that's a smear campaign, which is what I'd been taught and he said, Well, that's not exactly how the media works. You can't have all of this untrue things. Right? Even if ten percent of this is true, doesn't that disturb you? And that was actually one of the the, the seeds that was planted in my head as a, a crack in my foundation. Right. And, but that, just to answer your question, that wasn't the moment. There was many moments that happened over time that, um, there's a cult expert uh, named Yanya Lalich who speaks about when people are leaving an abusive relationship or when they wake up from something like a cult. It's not always just one thing. An event happens, you put it on a shelf. Another thing happens, you put it on the shelf. You hear something, you put it on the shelf. And one day the shelf breaks and that's your wake up. So
0: let's backtrack
1: yeah. here a little bit. Let's start at the beginning. Um,
0: when I was reading through your book, I think it's so clear that in, the, in initially, for a lot of people who end up in a cult, they think they're they're doing something to better themselves, right? Mm-hmm. They think was that what it was like for you that you
1: were you were taking a self help class? Absolutely, I was part of a, um, a personal and professional development program. I thought I was learning how to evolve myself and transform my belief systems that were getting in my own way and. You probably know this, but Vancouver is a hotbed for groups such as these. I did not know that. Oh, yes. Why is oh. Vancouver a hotbed? I think the Vancouver and West Coast in general is a little bit more, maybe more open than the East Coast. A lot of seekers, a lot of spiritual people. And ESP and Nexium were, were one of many, if not hundreds, of maybe even thousands of groups that exist. And many in Vancouver, I think, because people really do want to and believe that they can change. And so they get involved in groups like this, or people are seeking community, or they or they want to be more successful. And I'm not going to name those groups, but I think everyone here in Vancouver has been invited to at least one of these free information nights where they can hear about one of these said groups.
0: <laughs> Which is um, make better decisions, or free yourself, or you know something like that?
1: Yeah, or understanding your past so that you don't have to relive the same um, story and, and um, you know. Live in your own head and your own drama, right. and and take more responsibility for your life, which are you know great things. But when those groups become your life versus using the tools in your life, that's when it crosses the line to being more culty. Or so, how does occult. that happen? So, like, you go to those meetings, mm-hmm. you go, okay, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Go to another one, make some friends. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope, and that's one of the main uh, methods that cults are able to recruit. And I think – and I people always ask me, like, I'm part of this group. Do you think it's a cult? And I I lay out (laughs) some of the signs, and I say, well, is this happening or is this happening? And I think if you go to a seminar and you get some tools for your life and you go back to your life and you use them, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But when then you then start investing all your time and resources into the group – perhaps becoming a coach, giving your time for free. A lot of us were in and worked for free for many, many years in the in what was called like an internship. And I think that's one of the slippery slopes that people get into. They think they're doing something for the better, the good of the group or the mission. And then before they know it, they spent 10 years in a group not getting paid and and may, maybe, maybe they're further ahead in their lives right. or not, but they feel connected to something and they feel purposeful and meaningful. And. That kind of
0: thing now, the man behind all of this is Keith Rainier. did and there was all it seems like it was all women too that surrounded him or have been in the headlines for all of this. Did you ever have doubts at that point, or did did yeah. you think no,
1: we're all just doing this because Keith thinks this is a good idea? I had many doubts along the way, and obviously hindsight is twenty twenty and that's one of the things that's been hard getting out of Nexium for all of us, I think, is to look back at what we missed. and in in essence, how we were delusional, what delusion were we buying into that we missed that led us to believe that ultimately Keith was somebody who he was not, which is how all cult leaders operate they have a persona with lots of you know uh, charisma and they have a whole image that's maintained and propped up by people around them as they're these great gurus or leaders or whatever Um, but with women there were men around him too but generally it was the women that sort of took care of him and drove him around and fed him and you didn't think that was weird i definitely thought it was weird but it was it was painted as he's got he's so busy you know writing curriculum and and researching and and changing the world he doesn't have time to cook and drive and things like that so okay yeah so sir i have to ask you (laughs) that (laughs) that (laughs) at that point when
0: how like how
1: how did you you miss that yeah how do you miss that that's the thing those red flags you a red flag is something that you see and then you have you can't wrap your head around and so and in my case, I would ask somebody if I had something that I felt uncomfortable with, and there was always a good answer. And one of the red flags from day one is that we had to call Keith Vanguard. Now, that is a definitely a red flag to call some, you know, f- you know, the the head of a program, Vanguard. And if I said something, which I did, and many people did, like that's weird, and I don't want to call this guy I've never met, Vanguard, and bow to him and say thank you, Vanguard, after every class. Yes. I'm Sorry, you had to do that. Yes. Yep. And then, if you weird, yeah, right. If you raise that as an issue, all of this—this is one of the things that's very brilliant about cults. And Nexium did this really well. Is before they even told us that they said that if you feel uncomfortable in the class, if you feel like something's internally you feel off and that you have the, they called it the urge to bolt, which is to leave, which I definitely had, that means that we're on an issue. And there's something in the curriculum that's exposing something for you to work on. For example, they made it your issue instead of their issue. So when I didn't like Vanguard, that became my issues with authority and that I didn't feel, I wasn't capable of paying tribute to what somebody had built. And they would dismiss it very easily. Vanguard means the leader of a philosophical movement. And that's what he is. So that's what we call him. And we call him Keith. And we call him V. And it's not a big deal. So they made everything weird less weird. And you grow used to that over time. Because so, they
0: were always telling you it's you, not them. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I unfortunately bought into that. Some people didn't. Some people on day one would say, I'm not calling somebody Vanguard. And then they leave and and we'd give them their money back. And we'd say, well, they just weren't, you know, they had issues around authority. So it's better they're not here. <laughs> Clearly, a lot of this
0: also has to do with wanting to belong as well, Absolutely. right? Because the community, I think, that these cults provide, for a lot of the people, you've been looking for that, and maybe Absolutely. you didn't even know it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I know it now, and I'm very cognizant of that now, and, and looking at my whole upbringing from a psychological point of view, it totally makes sense that this would be a natural fit for me to find this community, build community. And what we had here in Vancouver was very different than what was in the headlines. We, you know, we did our goals program, we played volleyball on Fridays, we had barbecues. It was very benign. It's not what you, you know, not what was revealed in the trial of what was happening back in Albany, which was quite a shock for many of us.
0: Sarah Edmondson is my guest. She's a former member of what we now know as the cult Nexium. She was there for twelve years. Her book is called Scarred The True Story of How I Escaped Nexium, the Cult That Bound My Life. The man who was at the top of this pyramid is a man named Keith Rainier. He's convicted of sex trafficking, conspiracy, conspiracy to commit forced labor. He will be sentenced early next year.
1: Sarah, did you meet Keith? Yes, I met I met Keith shortly after doing my first sixteen day training. He doesn't like to meet people until they've taken enough certain amount of curriculum, and by that point, you see him and and have been taught to revere him. And uh, I met him and was very unimpressed the first time. I thought he was just sort of a normal guy. Um, but that was spun again as, isn't it amazing how he makes himself so approachable and normal when he's such a brilliant genius? Oh, right. wow. You
0: yeah. know, and I'm, it's so funny that the look on your face sometimes when you're saying some of these things, it's almost like you yourself can't believe that you went through this. Oh, I
1: can't. I mean, it's every now and then, probably almost every day, I I look back at all of the, the choices along the way and all the different all the different points where I had a red flag, went to somebody, somebody, you know that I trusted and would, they would give me more information, all lies. And ultimately, that's that's the hardest pill to swallow, is just how much we underestimated the leadership's capacity to lie to us and right. that we trusted them. Uh, one of the things
0: I think you've learned as well, is, as anybody learns too, once they've kind of, research this is it really preys on your esteem, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? About how you feel about yourself and
1: they don't get what they want without kind of tearing some of that down. Right. No, for sure. I mean, when you look at the age I was when I started, I was 27, turning 28, aspiring actor, had a, you know, technically I was a working actor, but I didn't have the most, you know, fulfilling career and I wanted more meaning, more purpose. And they gave me something that filled all the, checked all the boxes for me, a community sense of belonging, although I wouldn't have been you know cognizant of that at the time, I just felt good, felt good being a part of something that I thought was doing know, good, doing good yeah. yeah in the world. and I liked helping people. I've always been a nurturer. My parents are in the in the um, the field of uh, like therapy therapy and yeah, counseling. therapy and counseling. so that's part of my background. and I thought, wow, this is a, a fast track to all of that. This is a fast track to betterment and growth. I personally uh, always like efficiency, and it seemed very efficient. When you look back then, Sarah, and think about all of these things that happened, are there particular moments where you're just so disturbed by that moment and what happened? The most disturbing thing, I think, for me has been post, since leaving, and trying to reconcile the last 12 years and educate myself and educate others and go through therapy. And at the same time, this has been in the media and then also... Um, you know, being being on trial, having Keith on trial and, and all the key players. And the things that are were exposed on the witness stand are so much more than that we knew. Like when we decided to go public and blow the whistle, we knew what we knew, which was terrible and bad enough. But then the FBI investigated and found, you know, so much more. And to have those things revealed in terms of other women who were abused, people who were uh, – mean, Keith did – he, Keith ruined lives, ultimately, is what it is. He he brought people in on, under these false pretenses of personal development and changing the world and then getting people to Albany, where he systematically destroyed m- so many people, predominantly women. And that just In, to, in what way? Like, were there crimes being committed? What was happening? Oh, I mean, on the, on the lowest level, not a crime, but just getting people to leave their careers under the premise of, you know, come to Albany, I'm going to mentor you. And then he'd take women on... In a, a sexual capacity, and then they would be part of what we now know as the quote harem. And so, if you think about these people who had flourishing careers here in Vancouver or Mexico or other places around the world, they they moved to to, to become famous tennis players or um, you know take their careers to the next level in politics and all different fields. And that was a lie. That was him saying, "I'm going to come mentor, come come here and I'll mentor you." And then they they left all those things. I mean, that's. I don't know if that's a crime, it's just awful to, you know, to take someone's dreams away. But in, in terms of crimes, I mean, he had, he was doing all sorts of atrocious things to people. We found out there was one woman who was was locked up for two and a half years. There was um, people who were being blackmailed. There were people that's, you know, the the sex trafficking is obviously a huge component of the case where people were being coerced to, to have sex with him. So
0: what, what is your warning then to people like you wrote this book you wanted to tell your story mm-hmm. as we said people when they start out doing this nobody thinks they're actually going to have a meeting about a
1: cult mm-hmm. what would you tell people then I would tell people to just be very skeptical when they're invited to something and find out what the you know who's involved uh, what what are the motives of the people and it could be as simple as a cocktail party or you know playing volleyball on the beach or you know some very benign Invitation, and I'd I'd look to see if there is a leader that seems to be. Um, no, the main thing is when there's a leader who's not accountable to anybody. There's no governing board, and that leader seems to have all the answers.
0: Also, like, what, are there phrases that you think of, like? Um, you know, oh, this is about your wellness. This is about unlocking something. Like, what what signs do you think people should look yeah, for? Yeah, it
1: could be any of those things. It depends on the cult, and if the cult is more spiritual or more business oriented. But when they're promising something that sounds almost too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Or if they're they're promising something that requires x amount of money. Um, To go to another seminar. Yeah, to go to another seminar, which I think is one of the things where things become more culty, is when you pay a little bit for something, and then you have to pay more for the next thing. yeah. And that's one thing I learned a huge lesson, is never join anything you can't graduate from, where it's a never-ending cycle of more and more and more and more classes. And uh, I think you can, you can learn a lot if you want to better yourself. And I think that's actually one of my messages in the book is that you can better yourself and improve yourself, but it doesn't have to be on the foundation of I'm not good enough. And that's what a lot of these groups prey on. They make you feel crappy about mm-hmm. yourself and promise that you're going to feel better, but that it also means more classes. That
0: is actually some great mm-hmm. advice. Never
1: attend anything that you don't graduate from. Mm -hmm. I think that's really good (laughs)
0: advice. Sarah, thank you so much for your time on this today. Thank you
1: so much for having me. Those are great questions. What a (laughs) fascinating
0: story. Sarah Edmondson's book is called Scarred, the true story of how I escaped Nexium, the cult that bound my life. It is available now.